Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Your landlord serves you notice. You must move out. The reason is not totally clear. The apartment is nice, but not great. It's also affordable. Yet rumors are going around. The landlord wants to hike the rents. They hope to get rid of people, renovate, and then jack up the rent afterwards. What do you do? The Help and Legal Center of Northumberland is available to give you advice. They can educate you about the law. But even better, they can go with you to the tribunal to appeal. That's just one of a host of services the center offers. In this interview, Beth Belair, chair of the board of directors, We'll go over a series of recommendations from a comprehensive report done over the past year for the Centre. One of the big suggestions is improving the public's knowledge of all the services it offers, plus a number of key things it can do to improve what it is already doing. Here is Beth Belair to explain. I'm so pleased to have with me today Beth Belair, the Chair of the Board for the Northumberland Help and Legal Centre. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you uh, giving me the time to do this. I understand you've undergone a full program evaluation. Can you tell us what you found as part of that process? Yes. Well, we started this process actually uh, back in uh, March of 2020, and of 2020, and um, we had a, a very generous grant from the Durham Community Foundation to do this work. We did it in three phases, actually. The first phase, we interviewed clients, um, close to 90 clients of the health center or the legal center. The second phase, we um, interviewed stakeholders, and again, we had a really good response from them, probably around, um, I think, close to 60 stakeholders, people who we refer to or who refer um, to us. And also we did interviews with um, staff and some focus groups and things so that we got a really good feel for what, how our services were being perceived in the community and that. And overall, we were really, really happy with the results. Um, of course, there's always something that comes up that you think, okay, we could do better there, which is the whole purpose of it. So it's been a really great process, and it's taken us through to we're just finishing it up now. So it's been a, a full year to get through it all. Can you share with us some of the results that you found, some of the recommendations that came out of the report? Yes, um, and uh, one of the things that we found, of course, was that, um, and, and part of the process of this, too, was to look at uh, how the pandemic, how COVID has impacted our our clients. Um, so generally, I think it's something like 95% out of both agencies are extremely happy with our services. So that's really, uh, you know, that's very reassuring that what we're doing is meeting their needs. But 
they certainly did feel that um, the services had been impacted by COVID. Um, and that's because, of course, during the lockdown periods, they were not able to just drop in to the uh, centres. And so, because they can't drop in, and that's the way most of our people like to contact us. For instance, you know, if you're looking at coming to the help centre, most people preferred in person, 50% in per, you know, wanted to just drop in to be able to talk to somebody because that's the way our services have been offered. Um, so this was a real adjustment for them. They'd come to the door and there would be a bell they could ding and somebody would come to answer, but it wasn't the same as coming in and being able to sit down and really have a good chat with somebody. So that's been um, a difficulty and we're hoping we're coming to the end of that soon. For people um, who may not be familiar with your services, can you just briefly describe what it is the HELP and the Legal Center do? Okay. But, um, well, the, they do two pieces of work that both deal with those most vulnerable within our society, um, with people of low income. So uh, what, one of the things that um, the HELP Center does is offer the social kind of assistance that uh, people might need in order to um, live a full and um, rewarding life. So we have programs for housing to help people find housing. Um, we have a financial program, so we do budgeting with people because people on low income really need to stretch their dollars. So we do budgeting programs, and as part of that, we have a very big tax uh, program on the Help Center side. I think so far we've done over a thousand returns for people, and that has brought back um, more than uh, two million dollars into the um, community. So, um, and that money comes back into the community through tax credits, um, through uh, child tax credits, and um, the trillium funds for uh, um, drugs, etc. So, it's. Uh, that tax program really helps identify a lot of people who maybe need help, then use our budgeting programs. We also on that side have programs for um, helping with uh, paying their uh, electricity bills or their heating bills and uh, so that they don't get those cut off and uh, that and we can work out plans with the different deliverers on how they might be able to pay back what they're um, owe over, in a way that is really affordable to them. So we do a lot of work on the financial side. We also have on the help center side, we still have another stream of programs, which is in literacy, because of course, literacy is one of the uh, main barriers to being able to be successful within our society. Uh, if you don't know how to read documents, if you don't know how to um, fill out forms, you are really at a disadvantage. And, and so many jobs require a lot more reading now than they ever used to. So we have both a, a program for people who um, uh, have not made it through our uh, education system and they really need to improve their reading skills. And ours is at the one-to-one -one tutoring level, so the very beginning level before they're able to manage a classroom setting. And we also have an ESL program that has really grown within the last five, ten years and serves a lot of the new immigrants to the area 
um, it goes hand in hand with the link program that is done by colleges. I'm sure you're probably familiar with that program, but our program actually um, really focuses on the cultural side of it and making people feel comfortable within this new society that they're in. So that's kind of a lot of the programs that are on the health center side. Oh, I forgot, we also have a seniors program, which helps with individual um, seniors who are maybe isolated at home. And, you know, all of these programs kind of relate together because somebody might, a senior might come in because they're having trouble making ends meet. And we find out that they're having trouble in other areas as well. And maybe they're also having trouble with a, a landlord. And so then they get referred over to the legal center side, which deals with those legal issues. So the legal center deals with um, issues uh, that the, the clients need help with um, Landlord and Tenant Act, uh, Ontario Works or Ontario Disability Payments, um, and a lot of employment services, uh, things to do with uh, workers' compensation. Um, and, and recently, we've been doing a lot of work uh, with people from Alderville, uh, with uh, helping them get registered for um, the residential schools class actions or the Indian Day schools class actions that are, are we're running. And we've done 166 files over the last couple of years on the legal center side, helping people make sure that they're able to tell their stories fully and be registered for those uh, class action suits. So, you know, it's a broad range of programming that we have. And because of that, I think... You know, a lot of clients um, are really happy to refer to us. They'll tell their friends about us. I mean, that's word of mouth is the main way people find out about our programs. And uh, many stakeholders as well say, you know, our programs are unique within the county. So we're really, really proud of that as well. I'd like to just go back for a moment. And, and first of all, you mentioned you, you brought $2 million into the community uh, through your tax uh, assistance program, income tax assistance program. And yes. was, over what period of time is that? That's over the year. Okay, so, um, well, we do the income tax returns all year long, but of course, like most places, we're really busy in the spring with that, and pretty much all staff have hands on deck to look after the incoming income um, tax returns for people. So um, that covers, uh, you know, GST, Trillium, child tax credits, climate action incentives, all of these credits are available to people, but only if they filed. So if they haven't filed, they don't get these tax credits. And so it's really important for people to be able to file. And of course, um, since we do it as um, a charitable organization, we're not taking a cut of their return. They get the full amount back. And that full amount then gets spent within the community, as you can imagine. It's not being spent on trips abroad or anything. It's being spent right here in Northumberland County. Some of the programs you mentioned in in uh, your synopsis were things like housing and and yeah. and other things. There's other agencies within the the uh, community that provide these kinds of services. What makes you unique in terms of the services that you provide uh, to so that people understand that maybe it's not quite the same as what's going on elsewhere and things aren't being duplicated? Yes. 
And, and that's a really good question. And housing is an area that, of course, is always changing. And there often are new players on the block for that one. But we are involved in the Affordable Housing Committee, um, which looks, which has all of the different organizations within Northumberland that are offering programs who sit around that table. And we... Um, through that program, we're able to uh, help people in uh, finding landlords who are willing to work with them. We have a landlord liaison program, which is the only one in the county, and that program allows us to work with the landlords to help them understand some of the um, extra needs or concerns of our clients, and they work with us to um help the clients have a good tenancy at their um, at their building. So it's really a program for both the tenants and we, we teach the tenants how to be a good tenant, all the rules of the tenancy of what you can and you cannot do. And so they're aware of their rights but also of their responsibilities. And we also have programs like that for the on the landlord side so that they know what they can and can't do. And this really helps to make a much um, more uh, positive relationship between the landlord and the tenant, and that is, you know, completely unique within the programming that we do. I've done interviews in the past with people from the legal uh, center, and they they do a lot of work around evictions. Yes, and uh, that's a really good question because you know, as we've been going through the pandemic, um, it's been there's been a uh, freeze on evictions. That means that the sheriff or whoever can't come and actually put the padlock on your door and evict you. However, the process still goes ahead through the courts, so landlords can still apply to have a tenant evicted and go through that whole process, and then the eviction notice is just sitting there waiting to be um, put into force once that uh, freeze is lifted. So, you know, we anticipate having a huge influx of people coming in because they've received these um, uh, eviction notices and uh, and it's you know almost in a sense out of the blue because they've kind of forgotten about the process being in place. So um, we uh, represent people at the landlord and tenant tribunal and help them put forward their case to the uh, tribunal um, adjudicators on you know why they should be considered um, and why their landlord's uh, request is uh, not valid. So we do um, a lot of uh, that kind of representation. That's one of the uh, major uh, types of work that we, we do on the legal center side is that kind of representation. Also, another thing that the legal clinic is well known for is its assistance around legal aid and the uh, ability to help people who may not have a lawyer get a lawyer. Can you just shed well, some light about that? that? Actually, that's through um, Legal Aid Ontario. Legal Aid Ontario funds the clinics, and it funds legal aid, um, which are two different things, actually, Rob. Um, legal clinics do not um, do representation of people who have uh, criminal cases. That is a completely different section. So we represent people who are having trouble um, in some of the tribunals and, and various things like that. But if you're accused of some kind of a crime, that is completely different. It's also, we do not do um, family uh, work, you know, um, because that is done through the um, getting a uh, certificate and a and going to the local bar to get a lawyer to represent you. So that is really different from 
kind of work that we do. Now that we better understand what the Help and Legal Center do, can we now go back to the recommendations? And you had started to talk about the first one. Can you move on from there and, and tell us what some of the other recommendations are? Um, sure. Uh, one of the things that we have um, for generally in um, non-COVID times is we have satellite offices around the county. Um, so the health centre and the legal centre will both go and offer their programming on a regular basis from sites in Campbellford, in Brighton, in um, uh, Port Hope, and, and various other communities, uh, Colburn, around, around Northumberland County. We found that that really wasn't well known by our clientele or even by the stakeholders that those were there. And um, so one of the things that came out of that is that we, you know, a recommendation is we really need to improve our communications of the, not only the services that we offer, but the, the ways our services can be offered. Um, so that is something that uh, we certainly are working on is, you know, a recommendation to improve our communications to uh, clients, to stakeholders, to the general public on the kind of work that we do and how to access our services. Um, another one that came out is on our space. And as you know, we're in the Fleming Building. Our offices are located in the Fleming Building here in Coburg um, on the top floor. And it, it, they are tight space for sure we have with so many programs and so many staff we um, make very good use of that space and in some ways we found with the pandemic because we've broken into um, on both sides they've broken into two teams and so only half of the staff or less is in on any given day um, it's much easier to manage the uh, crowding that way because, you know, you, you don't have everybody in. When everybody's there, it's very crowded, and there really isn't um, good waiting areas. There's no good space for workshops and that. So one of the recommendations is to look at our space and see if there's a way of uh, improving the way it's laid out or expanding it. Of course, expanding it requires more money and... Um, the board needs to kind of deal with that and see if there's ways of um, juggling things around to get more ongoing money for space or, you know, we're looking for new funding for that. So those were two major recommendations that came out. Um, we asked clients whether or not, and stakeholders, whether or not there were new programming, other programming that might be need, needed, um, because one of the things we really pride ourselves on doing is trying to recognize gaps within the community where there is a need. And they really did not come up with anything where they felt that we needed to um, add new programming. So that was, um, that was very good news, that they felt that what we were offering now was... Um, all relevant and uh, meeting their needs. So we were happy with that, for sure. And Rob, we still are digging through all of the findings in that to um, pull out more recommendations as we go, for sure. So our work is not done. And we do hope to um, make some more publications, etc., on this as we go along. Um, I guess another... Um, recommendation that came out of it was the need within our community for there to be uh, some kind of an um, overreaching organization such as a social planning council. 
uh, at one point many, many years ago, probably maybe 40 years ago, we did have a social planning council here in Northumberland County, but we really don't have such a service now. I mean, the United Way does a fantastic job of um, considering what services are out there and that, but they would say that they are not a social planning council. Um, they try to look at gaps within the community and they've done studies over the years to see, you know, what um, is offered, etc. But again, you know, a social planning council, I think, um, really serves a different uh, need than what the United Way is uh, mandated to do. So that was a recommendation to come out and, and we will be looking at that as we go ahead as um, and, and talking to our various partners community partners and and see you know how that might what that might look like in Northumberland County so that's another recommendation we would be working on. I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that because uh, I do remember the social planning council and it, these overarching bodies are they really productive in terms of achieving and getting towards goals. I mean, we have the county doing its well-being uh, study and consultations right now. We've got all sorts of, of collaborative initiatives around housing, around poverty, around homelessness. I mean, there are lots and lots of groups that are discussing and advocating for change. Why do you think it's so important that we have a another overarching body that's going to take people and resources uh, to to oversee? Well, I don't know if we do think that it is um, of extreme importance as a board. We haven't really delved into this one yet. It, this is something that came out of our program evaluation on the stakeholder side, where there was suggestion there that it could be useful. I mean, it, our clients did not bring that up as something because they're looking at it more from their individual perspective, but other stakeholders, other um, community agencies that provide services to our to the same clientele saw that as a possible need that, you know, maybe we need that overarching um, agency. And you're right, we already do have an affordable housing uh, committee that looks at all issues to do with housing and that works very effectively and we already have as you say the um, counties uh, they do general um, studies of what agencies are uh, offering and whether or not there are gaps in that and kind of assessments of, of what's available so I don't know if we are sold on it absolutely being needed but perhaps there's something that it could be, I mean, one of the things that we found um, for several years, we had the Northumberland Poverty Action, uh, Poverty Reduction Action Committee that was meeting, and that was uh, probably 40 different agencies, or some 30 to 40 agencies across Northumberland who would meet maybe every six weeks for luncheon and just share around the table new programs that they had or new changes that they had seen in their clients tell of that. So that was that was useful um, for quite a while in us helping to identify where there were gaps. And actually out of that came the uh, transportation program that now is run by Community uh, Living to, you know, with the vans and that that bring people into Coburg where the services are from outlying areas. So um, that was identified around that um, poverty reduction action table and uh, then there was support from the community for 
the single agency to go forward and apply for that. So, I mean, it's a way of ensuring that there isn't duplication, because if you hear about another service doing something that you were thinking of doing, you're not likely to develop it because you think, well, that's already happening. And it all, it, you know, it gets away from people being in competition with each other, which is really important as well. But do we need to meet on a regular basis to do that? Possibly not, you know. Maybe it's a matter of doing it digitally, maybe using technology somehow. There might be ways of, of achieving what's maybe seen as needed without it becoming a huge bureaucracy, as you say. You were talking a bit about new programs, and I, in looking in the past, you've run a number of, of pilot projects and, and of uh, uh, different new programs. For example, one was the Justice and Health Pilot Project. What's the status of that today? Um, well, you've caught me off guard on that one. I'm not sure where the Justice and Health one is standing. I know we are now working on a project which is looking at sexual harassment within the workplace, and that is a fairly large project. And um, it's uh, run through the legal clinic, and they are doing workshops for various um, companies and uh, agencies to educate them about what exactly is sexual harassment in the workshop and how it can um, uh, be seen, like the different aspects of it, and then how to deal with it. So that is an ongoing project, and uh, I think Lois Cromartie, the uh, executive director of the Legal Centre, would be really happy to speak to you about um, the uh, more in-depth on what's happening in that program and on the Justice and Health program that um, has wound up. Um, as you know, right now, um, the uh, government of Ontario is, uh, and through that, um, Legal Aid Ontario is looking at modernizing the legal clinic system. So um, part of that has um, taken the focus for us on uh, away from uh dealing with new programming and dealing with um, just how we are now going to be um, interacting with Legal Aid Ontario. So that is hopefully wrapping up underneath the new legislation that will be passed probably this fall. And so um, that will be a happy day for us when, when that is finished for sure. Do you also continue to work with the migrant workers in terms of providing legal advice uh, around yeah. workplace issues? Yes, yes, that continues on as well. And um, through that, uh, you know, we some of those folks also take advantage of the uh, ESL program that we have on the help center side. So again, you know, the two uh, agencies work really well hand in hand to to meet the needs of. Um, clients who are common to both sides. Um, but yes, we've represented migrant workers and helped them um, if you know they've been threatened with uh, being sent back and help them with problems that they might have with their uh, employers, etc. So and that is an ongoing program. Why don't more people know about your services? Well, that's a really good question, Rob, um, and it's something that, um, you know, one of the main things to come out of all of this work is the fact that we need to improve the way we get our message out to the community. Um, you know, sometimes I, uh, I've um, kind of 
made a, a comparison between why people don't know about our services to why when before I had children I didn't know there were so many services for women who were pregnant or for women with babies and part of that was because well I didn't need those services so I never paid attention to it but once I was pregnant then I found out oh there are all these services out there and you find out through word of mouth to talking to your friends that's how our clients find out about our services is they need it, they talk to their next door neighbor or their cousin about it, and that person refers them to us. So that's kind of how many of them find out about our services. But for the general public to know about us, we really need to do some work on how we get our message out. And so we're, that's just continuing now for us. We uh, are just in that process of looking at the marketing side of it and how can we improve our impact through social media. As you know, um, being in the field of media yourself, it's so fragmented these days, it's really hard to be able to just you know push it out to one newspaper and say, well, there, that's done, because not that only reaches a small amount of people and you need to push it out through many different channels and we're realizing we need to put a higher focus on that marketing piece for sure part of the reason i guess that we haven't been good at that is that that is not our forte our forte is serving the public who needs our services serving low-income folks and helping them you know uh get through struggle times in their lives in order to have um more successful more productive lives um helping you know their kids learning better at school by helping the parents have uh food on the table that sort of thing so we don't have expertise in our uh agency for marketing people do it off the corner of their desk and so that's something that as a board we're going to be struggling with over the next little while is how to become more professional on that side of the of the ledger there has been in the past the pattern of cuts to funding faced by your organization can you tell me about this and what is your current status regarding funding well, right now, um, on the Help Center side, our funding is at a really, a really positive level. The United Way has been our supporter, as you know, almost from our uh, beginning days back 40 years ago. And they continue to be really um, uh, an organization that we can rely upon to support us. I- they see the value of our programming, and because of that, they are tremendous supporters of us. We also, right now, have a really great working relationship with the county, and as I have mentioned, we have a landlord liaison program that we do, and that is funded through the county. Some of our housing programming is as well, and we've got some funding from them to help us with um, the ESL programming that we're doing, and a variety of other things that they have helped us with. And so so that, you know, that, pro, that funding seems to be um, fairly stable as well. But again, it's only as stable as the government is and or government changes. And as they change, sometimes programming changes in the county, you know, just doesn't have the same funding for programs as it used to. So we're always looking for new funding sources, and that's something that our executive directors are always tasked with is finding new resources for us. On the help on the legal center side, 
our main funder there has been Legal Aid Ontario, which is um, through the Ministry of the Attorney General of the Government of Ontario. That agency has seen cuts over the last little while from this um, the recent uh, progressive conservative government, and those cuts have um, we've been protected from them. Um, rural clinics to a certain extent, and we have to say thank you to Legal Aid Ontario for that and trying to um, protect us from many cuts because we run our programs very frugally right now, and, you know, if we had large cuts to our income there, it would mean a reduction in staffing because there's nowhere else for us to cut. And uh, so far, we've been able to avoid that. But there's no guarantee right now that more cuts are not coming in the near future. So, you know, we are always kind of waiting to see um, how that works out. And again, our executive director on that side has been, Lois has been really um, uh, doing a lot of work in finding new funding, other sources of funding for the agency to make sure that we can keep the staff that we have and the programming that we have. So um, looking to the federal government for funding where she's been successful getting funding through HRGC at times um, and and other uh, sources of funding to, you know, help us. So it's, a, it's always an ongoing struggle for sure. And that would be common to all charitable organizations. What's your total budget? Um, that's a good question. Off the top of my head, I think um, it's probably around totally about uh, just over $2 million, I think. As you are emerging from the pandemic, what lessons have you learned that you'll apply to the future? Um, well, as I say, we have to get better at our communications. We... Um, we have to recognize that uh, our clients do not have the technology or the comfort levels with technology to be able to go online with um, their uh, interactions with us. So as much as we can go online with our stakeholders and others, we have to be there by person um, on the phone for our clients because that is the the way they are most comfortable with receiving um, services from us. And so we have to be able to help them bridge that gap between what they're able to do because of, you know, limited Wi-Fi, limited um, uh, technology within their own homes and being able to interface with the, you know, organizations that they need to that are going more and more online with their services. So we see that as something where we really have to kind of balance it, you know, and and allow them to be able to come into our offices once we can open up again to be able to use our um, technology in order to uh, meet their needs. So that's something that we are working on as well. What's next in terms of the study and uh, the recommendations going forward? 
Um, well, we continue to look at this through our board of directors, which is a really active board. Um, we are uh, we have various different uh, committees that are taking some of these pieces and studying them more in depthly. So, for instance, we have. Um, uh, passed a space committee to look at our uh, footprint and how we could maybe use it better and so they're working hard at that right now um, we have a program committee that is looking at the programming and uh, how it can um, perhaps um, we can change the way uh, the programming is um, assessed or accessed by our clients and we also have a fundraising and marketing committee that is looking at the uh, recommendations coming out about increased uh, awareness of our programs and improving our marketing. So those are three of the main things that we're working on right now. One of the things that uh, we are really proud of is the fact that, you know, we're the only organization, I think, in Northumberland County that's serving our communities most vulnerable residents by dealing with both the social and the legal issues and I think that's the strength of us and we've been doing this you know giving a voice to the voiceless for 40 years now in the community we try to empower people so we try to um, help them learn how to uh, make decisions and um, uh, advocate for themselves, but we give them the strength of being there uh, at their backs to, to support them as they do that. You know, we help people from simple tasks like filling out forms to them uh, representing them in court cases. So we really try to connect people with other programs and services in the in the community. We um, really make, try to make sure that we're not duplicating services, but we always are looking to see if there are gaps in services and that come forward as, you know, things change. And we do this, you know, because we believe in the people that we serve and that by raising our clients up, we will enrich the whole community. So we're really proud of the work we do and all of this is done at no cost to our clients. So I think it's um, a unique service in Northumberland County and I'm really proud to be their uh, chair of the board. Thank you so much, Beth Belair. Thank you. That was my interview with Beth Belair, chairperson of the Help and Legal Center of Northumberland. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's 
consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.